welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting every week about the reality of anything and everything property. And I hope those of you that listened last week enjoyed the show. I know that Simon and myself really did in terms of talking about mortgage rates and what that means to us as property investors and landlords. If you haven't listened to it, suggest that you do, because we're going to just reflect on what's happening at the moment, appreciating the fact that the world could well have changed once again by the time we've recorded this and released this. And just a quick ask from me, if you haven't already, please do leave us a rating and or review on your podcast player of choice. That would be gratefully received. And as always, if you do want to get in touch with us or for us to talk about anything, please do reach out to us on at Biz of Property via Twitter. I know we have Alfie Chats who reaches out to us regularly and, and we're going to talk about Fixed and Tracker today, which is something that Alfie wanted us to talk about. And of course, as always, you can reach out to us on via the business of property.com. But Simon, so we met with Simon Glastonbury, our resident broker of choice. We were just talking about the rates at the moment and, and reflecting on, on, on how high they are getting, relatively speaking. What were your immediate thoughts and takeaway from, from that conversation? Well, I'll, I'll expand on this a little bit, but I think, ouch, is probably <laughs> my, my main <laughs> reflection. I, I'm very, very pleased that I managed to get some fixed rates in a few months ago. They are are clearly not in a good place right now. I'm slightly concerned that in less than a year now, I have got two more fixed rates expiring and I will have to do something with those mortgages. And of course, we have no idea what's going to happen over the next year. Maybe rates will get higher. Maybe they will go higher and come back down. That is what I'm sort of hoping for. Maybe, Maybe they will just stay level. I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to go down massively. I mean, we talked about this last week with Simon as well. None of us thought rates are going to go back down to how they have been a year ago. In fact, never mind the last decade or so. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully in a year's time, it won't be quite as scary. But, but yeah, it, it, it's very worrying. And in terms of looking at investments at the moment, the, the real impact is is the the stress testing, because it just has such a big impact on how much money you have to put into a, a deal in order to, to be able to buy it at all, never mind to be able to make it, it work. And I think you, you, you had a bit of a, a look at your a studio flat that you have against these new stress tests. And, and you, you mentioned it very briefly last week, but I think we've got some, some more specific numbers that you've worked out. So how does that flat stack up? Yeah, well, I think we might have been talking about it post-record, so it might not have been something we talked about on the on the podcast specifically. Oh, but, dear. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> confused with that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, – well, f- first of all, I say, you know, I'm one of these – I'm scribbling – furiously writing down notes to say, must remember to go and check on all of my product expiry dates of mortgages because I do have those logged. And, of course, you're going to say to me, Stuart, you know, just go to Patma and it's going to tell you. That you, that you do that. <laughs> Make sure you've got all your, your properties and all of your mortgage fixed rates recorded in Patma, and it will send you an email three months before they expire and, and then remind you after that as well. Yeah, no, I'm writing a note to do that very thing. But we talked about, and Simon Glastonbury talked about the new stress test, which is 8.49%, which is 8.5% of those of us that, that don't worry about the, the 0.01s. 
But I immediately, the, the hairs on my arms stood up and I thought eight and a half percent stress test on properties that were previously stressed at around 5.5, I believe. So I, I immediately thought of my little studio flat because we are currently renting that for around a thousand pounds. Now, I believe that's under market value at the moment, because like you and many other landlords, when we've had good tenants in, we tend to let them sit in the property and and if if they've been good tenants we don't really want to put that price up so so i think it's undervalued but i had a quick look and in summary at a at a a current value of around two hundred sixty thousand pounds based on the on the on this on this stress test that we're talking about which is 8.5 percent at 145 percent of the rental amount I would get 37% loan to value on that property, the equivalent of £97,000. Now, I think our borrowing is currently double that on the property. (laughs) And if we were to get 75, if we wanted to really get 75% loan to value, did you want to guess on the the rent I'd have to charge my unsuspecting tenants? Oh, I, I think this is probably going to be slightly above even the market rate, isn't it? So, so go on, go on, put, put me out of my uh, misery. Just over £2,000 for, for a studio flat is, is what that stress test would mean. And of course, that's not feasible. But that, the point we're making is that's, that's how the stress test is going to affect us. That's just a, a big rent increase. When was, how long has your tenant been in there? When was this rent set? This rent was set about six months ago, actually. So they've been, I think they're about to hit the six month number. Okay. So you say it's a bit below market value, but or, or market rent, should I say. It's not, it's not massively below because you've, you've put it out to the market fairly recently. Well, but, but we, we, we put it out below market value because we wanted to get it filled quickly. So uh, okay. the, the truth is, I haven't I haven't reviewed it, but I think the market rate is probably somewhere between eleven to twelve hundred, which percent in percentage terms, you know, that's between ten and ten twenty percent. So still a bit of an increase. Indeed. So if we if we would go with the upper bound of that, twelve hundred, you could get a forty five percent loan to value mortgage. Oh happy days. There you go. Hundred and seventeen thousand or so. Uh, I won't get the party poppers out just yet then. <laughs> Great. So I mean if we both have portfolios of properties that are mortgaged. And if we're looking at mortgages that are only 40-ish percent loan to value, I'm pretty sure that that's a long way off what you currently have in your portfolio. And and my portfolio is less heavily geared than yours. And and that's some way off the, the loan to value I currently have in my portfolio. So I think really what that means is that, although Simon said some of the the remortgage products are accepting lower stress tests. I still think that that's going to be hard to switch lender. So it probably means that we're largely stuck on our current lenders for for a while until these stress tests come down a bit. Yeah, and it's, it's, as we reflected on last week, I mean, the game is what it is. So we're going to have choices, and those choices are now limited. The, the choices will be remain on your product that you've got, and suck it up or get out of the game. They're the two big ones, obviously. And of course, a lot of the mass media likes to talk about the second one because that that drives a lot more uh, eyeballs to your website or your newspaper just to say that the the world's going to cave in and everyone's going to sell up and what are we going to do? 
but of course the, the middle ground for for many of us is is just work out you know just take maybe take it a little bit easier and just work out what we can do the the interesting element that you and i were reviewing as well about this was uh, it's in some more research done by get ground and we'll talk about that company and hopefully we'll, we'll get someone from the company onto the podcast soon to to talk about this as well but the get ground they did uh, a survey and their survey and research showed that and again some of this it's not going to surprise any of us that are in property land, but it said that 93% of people stroke investors are struggling to find high performing properties. And that 75% of those researched also said that, that uh, they couldn't find investments that would actually work. And my understanding is that that research was probably done prior to the big rates. I mean, we don't know specifically when it was done, but we'll, we'll try and get that covered off soon. But you know, so if that was three quarters of investors' research saying that they couldn't find investments that work, then you, you can only imagine that number's gone significantly up because we'd all argue the same. However, the other option that we, we that we didn't touch up touch on was those that can do this without leverage, so the cash buyer, and so that is the alternative because we 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 sit here and we're operating in the game of mortgage lending. But do we have to play that game, Simon? Well, um, yes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, and for me, yes too. <laughs> Look, looking again at, at Get Grounds research, I think they said ninety-five percent of investors, or sorry, for ninety-five percent of investors, the cost of buying UK property has increased in the last twelve months. So that leaves five percent of investors who, who think it's actually about the same, and. Who are you? Contact us. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think basically that has got to be the cash investors, hasn't it? That, there's 5% of people who are cash investors. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at the feasibility of new deals, if we take your studio flat as an example again, if we were to buy this new, obviously we'd have some stamp duty and things to pay on it as well. So a £260,000 purchase price, and assuming we're going to rent it for the, the $1,200, the, the upper bound, what we think it could get, you'd have to put in nearly £155,000 in order to buy that to cover deposit, which is 140 odd thousand, some fees and stamp duty and, and stuff. And that would give you an ROI of about 3.4%. So because you have got to put in more cash, it means that your mortgage payments are lower. So the ROI is actually still not horrendous but you are forced to put in that extra extra cash. I mean, do you think 4.4% is a reasonable ROI on a, on a buy-to-let? I do. I do. Uh, obviously, we'd need to understand ROI. So your, your ROI is net of interest rate. I, we, we don't want to go down this rabbit hole again. We've been down this <laughs> Every time we bring up ROI, we, we, we need to define it. So I, I'm defining it as all the rent minus all of the ongoing running expenses, mortgage payments, yeah, voids, maintenance, etc. That, that that's the income. But but anyway, I think you know everyone would say if you if you're getting close to four percent, around four percent return, however you, you define that, that is good. I know that people with with large funds right now, we're talking six seven figure sums available, are getting. And I'm talking about high street stuff here, but they're getting around 2%. So some slightly lower, some slightly higher. So if you're getting double 
that rate of interest, that's got to be appealing. And then, of course, when we think about the capital growth and this sort of property in, in, in Greater London does attract capital growth. Of course, it's, it's a bumpy ride right now, but, but would over the next 10 years. So, so yeah, I'd say 4% is appealing. I mean, on my maths, I just did a quick yield calculation when I was looking at this, and I think it came out, and this is probably where we don't want to go too deep, because, but if anyone is, is concerned about the terminology we're using or our correctness of it, do reach out at Biz of Property. But I looked at the yield, and it was coming out about 5%, you know, for, for that property, which I think, yeah, I still think that's pretty good, you know. Yeah, if you're a, if, and even if you're a total cash buyer, even if you went in at 100% cash buy, which I know some people have, and that, you know, they're in that fortunate position, they've worked hard to get there, could, could get that 5%. Why not? Because they can take their time, they can be patient, and maybe go for a much lower loan to value product at some point in the future, if they want to release some of that capital. Yeah, I mean, in actual fact, if you went in with no mortgage, at the moment, because mortgage rates are quite high and things, if you went in with no mortgage, you'd actually get an ROI of 4.5%. So, so yeah, you, you can actually get better return on investment, excluding capital growth, if you do it without a mortgage. Yeah, and that was my back of fag packet was saying that. But of course, we know that there's only going to be a limited number of people that have got you know, a quarter of a million quid you know, in the back of the sofa waiting to be, to be used. But, you know, the point we're making is that there are other avenues. And while we, certainly me, you know, may well be shocked with the prospect of a 37% loan to value, just just, just ain't going to happen in my world. But, you know, 50 to 60%, I'd love to get there, actually. I'd really like to get there because what that would mean is I'd have better options, hopefully a little bit more liquidity if, if needed. So, yes, we can all be a little bit chicken little particularly if we read too many of the front pages of the of the mainstream media. But as I think we talked about with Simon Glastonbury last week, it's really about resetting, you know, the parameters that we work with to, if, we, if we want to stay in the game. That's if, if we want to stay in it, and I personally do, because I, I enjoy playing this game. And the other thing we talked about last week was really just reflecting on, the, you know, the fixed rates versus the trackers. And we, we talked about how, how they measured up to 20 years ago, 10 years ago. But Simon, you did a bit of research, which I thought was pretty good, actually, and required a bit of effort. You looked at the last 20 years, the product you have been on in terms of variable rates versus what you would have paid with fixed rates and their fees, and just measured up the two in the last 20 years, which for me personally is a really interesting little piece of analysis. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you did? Uh, Yes, what I did. So I, I put together a spreadsheet <laughs> and I put into it that the mortgage that I've had over the last 20 years, I mean, I've simplified it very slightly, but largely speaking, this is a real, real mortgage on a real house that I have actually had over the last 20 years. And I, this is the house that I bought as my own home initially. So it actually had a residential mortgage on it. So perhaps the rates are, or the rate was perhaps slightly lower than it should have been, but it, it was a, 1, 1.25% above base tracker. So I don't, don't think it's that unrealistic for something that could have been a, a buy to let and things instead. But yeah, so I, I put together the spreadsheet and I went back through the Bank of England website to look up all of their past base rates. And they've got a brilliant page, just list them all out. And I went through and put them into the spreadsheet. It's surprising how many years there are multiple changes of 
base rate though. So I had to sort of average those out. So we've tried, I've tried to cover that. And then by way of comparison, I had to construct how this might have looked if I had been using fixed mortgages. And for that, I had to find some historic fixed rate mortgage rates. Too many rates there, but never mind. And if you're wondering, no, Simon doesn't have a day job. This is just what he does for fun. <laughs> I am actually supposed to have a day job, but but, but yes, on some days I do less of it than I should. <laughs> so, so yeah, th- these rates, I thought, oh, I know, I'll just ask Google and see what I can find. And al- although I was rather frustrated by this, I am going to mention them by name. One of the first hits I looked at was a, a stat- Statista website, I think. And I went there, and what did they do but show me a page with a really promising-looking title and then a big paywall. And I couldn't see the graph. I couldn't see the numbers behind it or, or anything like that. So I thought, oh, that's really annoying. Back to Google, keep searching. And I took another couple of hours or so to hunt around. I found some old Bank of England, well, actually I found current Bank of England statistics reports that show mortgage rates for the last few years, but they don't go back far enough. But then there are older releases from the Bank of England of the same, of the same statistics report, which then has further years back. So I started digging through those. And this was getting a little tedious. And I, I uh, had a break and had a quick chat to my wife about this. And she's obviously thought she could do better than me, which is fair enough, normally the case. So she went and had a look for, for these statistics as well. And obviously did a similar Google search, found the Statista website, clicked through, no paywall. She could see all the numbers. So, so she had indeed managed to prove that she could do it better than me. Thankfully, this meant that I could then look at her, her screen and find out all the interest rates that I wanted for the last 20 years for, for fixed rates. So anyway, I'm sorry for, for making you listen to that, that long rambling rant. About you needed how... to get it off your chest. You know, as we know, this is, this is therapy for us. <laughs> I'm afraid in this, in this particular case, it is. But anyway, the, the summary is, I went back and I put together a sequence of taking five-year fixes. So every five years, a refix. So over the 20 years, I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five mortgages, remortgages, because I've got the, the one just at the end as well. The, it's quite interesting. The, the rates, I'll, I'll just list each of the rates for the different mortgages. So the first one would have been, I think, about 5.8%. So, so relatively high. But then when I would have remortgaged five years after that, it would have gone up a bit to 6.1%. And then I would have the next remortgage would have been after the, the crash of 2007, 2008. And the rates have come right down. At this point, the Bank of England base rate was half a percent. But the fixed rate was apparently still about 4% for a, for a five-year fix. So relatively high. It wasn't until another five years where the Bank of England base rate had been really low for a long time now. It was only at that point that the fixed rate would, would have been about 1.99%, so about, about 2%. So, so those fixed rates gradually came down over that time, but they were quite high for the first 10 years perhaps even by recent standards, relatively high for the first 15 years. So the big reveal is that on the tracker rate, over the last 20 years, 
I have paid quite a, a scary number, £120,000 of mortgage interest. That is really quite scary to think about, but it's spread over 20 years. It's not too bad, really. But if I had been taking five-year fixes and refixing every five years, and this does include a little bit for, for fees because obviously they're, they're involved normally when you take out a, a remortgage. Over that 20 years, bouncing for fixed to fixed would have cost me £176,000. So by being on a tracker and staying on a tracker, which was sort of accidental, really, I've managed to save myself some £56,000, 32% of what it could have been over the last 20 years. So, Stuart, are you going to convert all of your mortgages to trackers now? Well, the first question is, could you lend me 55000 No. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> it's fictitious money. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, that, that is just really interesting to me that, you know, if you'd have gone the fixed route, which, which is my preferred method, and, and obviously my investing is slightly different because we, we're HMO investing, we'll talk about that. But the fact that you've, you've hypothetically saved 56,000 by going the route you have is so interesting because many, well, I'm going to speak for myself, but I've just never done this and it's something I, I do want to do. And I think it's even more pertinent for us as investors, given the conversation we had last week with the tracker rates coming in. And of course, these will differ by product and everything else. But the tracker rate that Simon Glastonbury mentioned last week being 3.54 versus what you can currently get on the on the fixed now is really really interesting to me and means that we should be doing a, a bit more analysis about this over the sort of next even in the short term you know two to five years and i think for anyone interested please do have a look at this spreadsheet that i'm sure simon will share via a link in the show notes yep. because it, I think it's quite eye-opening, particularly for me when you look at the period on the base rate that, that you know, is at 0.5 from 2010 down to 0. Point, well, it gets even lower, you know, just so low versus what you're looking at on the fixed rates is just really interesting. And I think it, when, it's, when it's in front of you, you realise just how stark the difference is. So, that, so the short answer to your question is it's something which I will definitely look a lot closer at in terms of, you know, that financial forecasting. Uh, I guess my, my personal challenge has always been quite short term, particularly when we're dealing with projects. So there's, as many of us know, when you're one-man bands like we are, you, you've got so many problems on your plate. It's, you know, for me, getting the funding was the, was the yippee moment, getting the, getting the project completed, getting the en-suites built, getting the, you know, the planning approvals and everything else. However, you know, if, if, if it's going to you know, save tens of thousands of pounds, of course, this, this should be one of the key property business decisions that we make. And actually, it's probably the primary one. Uh, but of course, you know, we, we, we could all be limited by what we go for because my products aren't as we don't get offered as many and even fewer now for, for what we do. And of course, while this is a real world example from the last 20 years, History is, is no guarantee of a future performance, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, it might all be completely different. And with, with that in mind, I have, I have put together a, a little forecast for the next 10 years. So if we're still podcasting in 10 years' time, we can come back to this spreadsheet 
and see if I've got it right or not. <laughs> <laughs> but this scenario looks at the the base rate that it currently is, and then then sort of feeds on from there. And and I'm assuming that the base rate will go up to a height of five percent in a couple of years' time, and then drop back down and stay at a stableish three percent. This obviously won't happen, but but that's what I'm basing it on. And then the fixed rate side of it. Obviously, I know the fixed rate at the moment because it's fixed for five years, so I've got that covered. And then when it remortgages in five years' time, I've gone for for five percent. So again, the assumption is that it the rate would have come down a bit from the current height. Who knows? In five years' time, fixed rate mortgages could be ten percent. But we're just going to make something up for the for the sake of radio. And in that situation, the fixed actually comes out slightly cheaper by about 6,000, maybe 7,000 actually, across the, the 10 years. So 83,000 of interest for the tracker and about 75,000 of interest for the fixed. So, so yeah, so maybe, maybe the next 10 years could have a different story. Yeah, and the point there is that we cannot predict any of these things, but they have a significant impact on our property businesses. And we should therefore be aware of them. And certainly in my case, at least be aware when your products are expiring. <laughs> if only you could see Simon's face right now, I'm sure you can guess. It's, it's a bit probably how I look at my five-year-old son when he's just said one of the silliest things that I've heard. <laughs> Oh, dear, when, he's dear. Asking, when my five-year-old son's asked me why we can't put bananas in the toaster, that's that's the look Simon just gave me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, dear. I, I want to hear some more quotes from your five-year-old. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I certainly found that really interesting, and we, I really do hope that uh, you as an audience have heard it. If you've listened this far, congratulations. Alfie, thank you for raising the, the prospect of tracker versus fixed mortgages and hopefully this helps you and have a look at the spreadsheet that Simon's done I'm, I'm sure that'll just give you some insight and because the short answer to the question which you raised on Twitter is we don't know really which is better every one of us will have to make an individual choice based on the, the the information we've got at hand about the price of our property the interest rate we're being offered and what our what our plans are in the future but hopefully that just gives you a bit of food for thought on that as always, please do leave us a rating and review and contact us via at bizofproperty or via thebusinessofproperty.com. And other than that, we'll see you next week. <laughs>